Welcome back to Twigs on the Rocks. I'm Leo Blotter, this is Abelovich, and in this very exciting episode, we will be going over the news, standings, and our question of the week from April 26th to May 3rd. Abe, you want to get started with the news? Yeah, let's kick it right off with the injury report. Uh, Nikolaj Ellers of the Winnipeg Jets is out the rest of the season due to injury. I was came in way too exciting for such sad news for Winnipeg because he's been one of their star players. He was he was on like the point leaders and goal leaders for a while early in the season. He's cooled down a bit, but he's still a very vital piece of the Winnipeg Jets, especially heading into the playoffs. So that's going to be rough. But also in that North Division, Flames defenseman Noah Hannafin is out the rest of the season with a shoulder injury. They're fighting for a playoff spot. It's unlikely that they'll make it, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, moving on, saw a couple abs injuries right here. D-man Bowen Byram and forward Logan O'Connor are out week to week. And also Samuel Gerrard is also out two weeks with a lower body injury. Uh, Some big losses for the abs, but luckily they'll be back just in time for the playoffs. And yeah, hopefully the abs will be good. Uh, Or all, not like good, obviously they are good. I mean good in regards to health by come playoff time. Yeah. Speaking of another playoff team, the Penguins, Mike Matheson is week to week with an upper body injury. He's an important part of their defensive core and they're right now leading the pack in the East, but things are getting shaky, but it's the playoffs are definitely coming for them and we'll see how, if he's ready by then. Also in some eliminated team news, the goalie Yunus Corposalo that's right, the man who put up, what, like five overtimes in the first round of the playoffs against Tampa last year? Yep. Like That was like 80-something saves. It was amazing. He's out for the rest of their season with a lower body injury, so that's going to be a little rough for him at least, not for the team. They, they're not doing so well. Yeah, uh, we'll get into that more later. Just uh, really not, not just the players, right? They have the talent, but it's really the coaching, in my opinion. We'll get into that later, you know. Corpusalo, big piece, big goaltending piece, part of that tandem out there in Columbus. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunate for them. Mike Matheson, nice little defense piece for the Pittsburgh Penguins, also at week to week. That is unfortunate for them. Good for the Bruins, though, so I'm not too upset. Um, Rangers forward, Brett Howden, is out for the rest of the season with a broken foot. And Chicago defenseman Adam Bogfist is out for the season with a broken wrist. Uh, Chicago, New York. Well, I mean, New York's out of the playoffs. Chicago, we'll see. Um, yeah. yeah, unfortunate for them. And, yeah, I mean, Brett Howden, that sucks for him. Can't end the season on a positive note. So, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, actually, this is, like, super recent news. Like, within the last hour, Chicago is officially mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So, the season he'll be out for is not going to be very long. But, hopefully – both Howden and Bachris get better soon. In some other leave injuries, uh, Montreal Canadiens forward Jonathan Druin takes an indefinite leave from the team for personal reasons. We don't know what those are, but the Habs will be missing him for the playoffs. And then also the Capitals decided to sit Kuznetsov and Samsonov due to disciplinary reasons. This isn't the first time Washington has had disciplinary reasons forced on their on their team and had to sit some players. So they might be having some problems in the locker room. We don't know, but these guys weren't on the ice, but they were healthy. Yeah, Kuznetsov, I'm pretty sure he was also suspended from Team Russia for doing like Coke or something like a while ago. And yeah, as you said earlier in the year, 
They didn't follow the COVID guidelines. And I think it was like four of the Russian players. They're all just getting together, hanging out. And I'm not sure if they were wearing masks or not. I don't think so. But they definitely were not social distancing. And yeah, uh, they had to take some disciplinary actions or yeah. So, I mean, it just sucks for the caps, but uh, I mean, caps have a lot of personalities, a lot of tempers flaring like Tom Wilson. He was given a game misconduct and maybe suspended again for a dirty play on Artemi Panarin. Uh, he didn't have his, or Artemi Panarin didn't have his helmet on and he just kept kind of tackled him to the ground after the whistle. He kept cross-checking one another, one of their players. Here, he already was suspended five games for a boarding call on Brandon Carlo a couple months ago. So if he gets suspended, it'll be for a longer period of time. They start to add up. And yeah, I mean, Tom Wilson, the Caps, a dirty team, especially Tom Wilson, in my opinion, the dirtiest player in the league this year. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. In my opinion, Tom Wilson is the dirtiest player in the league this year, last year, a year before. He's like, even though when I think of dirty, I might think of Nazim Kadri, who got suspended like every season playoff series against the Bruins. But this guy is just, just not a nice guy on the ice. This is not fun to watch because it's just yeah. like takes the fun out of, out of the fights. Yeah. But we're going to move on to some happier news. You could say, uh, or I guess maybe more uplifting Tampa Bay signs goaltender Spencer Martin to a one year, 800 K extension. Tampa getting that goaltending depth. Good for them. Yeah, they already have a uh, McElhaney and Vasilevsky, but, you know, in the minors, it's good. Yeah, and then in another signing, signing, the Columbus Blue Jackets signed forward Justin Danforth to a one-year, one-year deal, one-way deal with the NHL next season. So he's, he's going to be going to Columbus next year. And then also the legendary goalie, Ryan Miller of the Anaheim Ducks, has announced that this is going to be his final season in the league and he plans on retiring after this season. He's been such an amazing goalie for his entire career, and it's going to be sad to watch him go. Yeah, he might have already played his last game, but he definitely already played his last home game in Anaheim where they won 6-2 over the LA Kings. Uh, it was a nice little win. The team picked them up. I'm pretty sure Zegras scored. So, yeah, it's a great career. Ryan Miller played really well in Buffalo, you know, finishing his career in sunny California. So have a career, Ryan Miller. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, and in some other news, we got the Seattle Kraken. They are actually officially a part of the NHL. They are, they are officially the 32nd franchise after making their final payment to the league. Uh, yeah, Seattle, I'm excited to see what happens with them, who they take in the expansion draft. Although for a team like the Bruins, who have a ton of good pieces, they're going to end up having to take a really good piece like Kasha or maybe a defenseman like Lausanne. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited to watch them play. Uh, they have, there hasn't been an NHL franchise in Seattle for a bit, so I guess forever. Um, yeah, we're just excited to see some hockey in Seattle. It's going to be fun having a new team to bash around on the ice. Yeah, and also in some other news today, Sabres goaltender Michael Hauser had – I guess not today. He made his start today. Um, he got his first NHL win – or he got his debut and a win – after being told that he probably wouldn't be able to walk again after having 14 surgeries by the age of two. Uh, great for him. You know, Buffalo actually knocking off the Islanders, which we will slander a little bit later. Um, 
yeah, the Sabres love to see him beat the Islanders. I just think it's very funny. Yeah, especially with such a medical miracle like this. He defies all odds, and then he goes out and wipes the team that's been pushing hard for the playoff run. It's And they're already eliminated. That's just gold right there. Gold. And in some more golden news, the Vegas Golden Knights goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury, has tied Robert Luongo for third in all-time wins, and he only needs one more win to secure the spot. And with Vegas already clinched the playoffs, he's going to do it. I can say for sure that he's going to do it, unless he gets injured, but that's not – that's unlikely. He's going to do it, but I feel like I might jinx it. But congratulations to Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, and if not this season, definitely next season. I mean, it for sure should be this season unless there's some freak accident or some freak injury. But, yeah, I mean, I really do think he'll pass him. You know, he might move up a little higher. And, yeah, just congratulations to Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, and then also in some rookie news, Montreal Canadiens rookie Cole Caulfield, who, if you all remember him from a World Juniors episode, we talked about him a bit. He was amazing in the World Juniors. He scored his first NHL goal as this beautiful overtime winner. So congratulations to Cole Caulfield. He's going to have a great career in the league. Yeah, not only was it like in overtime, it's actually a big goal for the Canadians, you know, trying to secure that playoff spot. Uh, you could see his whole team not only was very happy that they won, but also very, very, very happy that Cole Caulfield, the rookie, scored. Um, you can see in the reaction, they're all like hugging him and jumping up in his arms. It was a sight to see. You should watch it if you haven't seen it yet. And in some other rookie news, I guess you could say, if you listen to a World, World Juniors episode, you would also know about Quinton Byfield of the LA Kings. He made his NHL debut. He's also in our draft episode too. Um, he was drafted second overall by the Kings this past season. And yeah, he's been playing for the Ontario Reign for a bit, but then Came up to the LA Kings, play, is playing in the big leagues now. Good for him. Yeah, the big boy is playing in the big leagues, and he's making a splash. He doesn't have any goals, or I don't think he has any points yet, but he's playing great on all other sides of the, of the puck so far. Yeah, I mean, for sure, like with, with all these rookies, especially if you're not a playoff team, right, even if you're not 100% ready, just call them up for the last five, six games, getting a little experience, and then put them back in the minors next year to really develop. So, yeah, I'm liking what the Kings are doing. Um, and also, in some complete opposite news, we're going from young to old. We got Yarmer Yager's actually not planning to retire. He will turn 50 next year. He's playing for his own team in the Czech Republic. I just think that's very cool. Yeah, that is like the most baller move. Like, he's still playing professional hockey. It's not at, like, the NHL level. But it's in it's in a decent it's in a like a good European league. He got he's the one who owns the team. And after having this amazing NHL career, he just goes off and keeps playing. Like the grind do not stop for Yarmir Yager. Yeah, fifty and, years old. Yeah. Also, one more piece of news: if you do follow the NWHL, they actually doubled their salary cap per team. I uh, went from one hundred fifty thousand to three hundred thousand. So good for them. Yeah. Love, love to see that. Um, especially right this, especially this year, I've noticed a lot of like the bigger media outlets like TSN, especially, but also like I don't know some other ones like NBC, NBCSN. They have really just been like promoting women's hockey. I think it's a great thing. 
the or if you don't remember the Boston Pride actually won the Isabel Cup which is uh the championship and yeah it's great to see like not only that they're making more money but they're just getting more viewership and more fans so yeah I think it's pretty cool yeah the NWHL is surely growing and it's going to keep growing Let's move on to our standings. I'm going to get us started with the Discover Central Division. Things are really solidifying here, except for a two-team race. In first place, the Carolina Hurricanes, who you know has already secured a playoff spot with 75 points. Then in second place behind them, well, tied for second place is Tampa Bay and Florida, both with 73 points. They both have already secured a playoff spot, but Tampa Bay has won less games played, but it's like they're both going to stay in these playoff spots unless Florida overtakes Tampa, but then they'll still be playing each other and Carolina's looking too hot to lose that first spot. Then here's where things get a little bit dicey. In fourth place is the Nashville Predators, 52 games, 58 points. Up, oh, but right behind them in fifth place is the Dallas Stars with 51 games, but 55 points. So this race is really, really close and Aside from them two, Chicago, Detroit, and Columbus, respectively, in six, seven, and eight, are, have all been eliminated. So it's down to Nashville and Dallas to duke it out. What do you think, Leo? Last episode, you said that you had Dallas coming in. Have you had any, any change of heart yet? Uh, actually, yes. I do not think Dallas will be able to pull this one out. Um, earlier this evening, I saw Nashville was winning. I'm not too sure what the score is. Let me look actually really quickly. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think it'll definitely be very close. And yeah, I mean, trying to find it here real quick. Okay, Nashville won in overtime. So are, are these updated from yes. like 10 minutes ago? Because I think the game just ended. No, so Nashville is actually up by four points now instead of three and still, still has one more game played. So Nashville beat Dallas in overtime like five minutes ago. So... Yes, they have one more game played than them, but they are four points ahead, and I just think Nashville closes one out. I know I said Dallas last week, but I just think it's too tall of a mountain to climb. I think it'll be Carolina, Tampa, Florida, Nashville. I just think that's the order of what it'll be. And, yeah, Carolina. I said they'd win the division in the beginning of the year. Everyone thought it was stupid, but nah, in first place. Yeah, you definitely have that prediction, but – I think I'm going to flip-flop sides with you, too. Nashville, they're on a streak right now, and they, they're looking hot. And Dallas is not looking as strong as I thought that they would be with the playoff motivation. And they got 60 points right now, so with the win that you just said. Yeah. Yeah, and also, okay, I think it's very interesting. Detroit has been dead last for so long. And they're finally not in dead last. They are in seventh place, surpassing the Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus, kind of a dumpster fire. I said we talked about this before. I mean, their coach, John Tortorella, they trade away their start. So they make – okay, so this goes back a couple years. Tortorella is a really hard coach to play under. But Bobrovsky, he hated it. He left. He went to Florida. Panarin, he hated it. He left. He went to New York. Right, so two-star players, not a good look for your coach. Anyways, Pierre-Luc Dubois, their up-and-coming star player, great, right? Wrong, no. He's very disgruntled by torts. Uh, he got benched a couple times, got shipped off to Winnipeg to get Patrick Laine. Now, Patrick Laine, right? Everyone's like, oh, Patrick Laine, blah, blah, blah. He's going to be so good. Yes, for a little bit, but then he got benched. Now he's on the fourth line. 
and Tortorella just making all their star players go away. Like, just hate to see it. Kind of a dumpster fire in Columbus, especially with Corpus Allo out for the season. So, yeah, I just I find it a little funny that Detroit, who is by far the worst team last year, is not by far the worst team this year. And in fact, I do not think they are the worst team. Yeah. Well, one saving grace for Columbus is that they're also, um, I believe, one game behind Detroit with only one point behind. So it's it, it's a tight race for the bottom of their division, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, we're gonna move on to the West Division. First place we got Vegas with 74. Second place we got Colorado with 70. Third place we got Minnesota with 68. Fourth place we got St. Louis with 53. Fifth place we got Arizona with 50. Sixth place we got San Jose with 45. Seventh place we got LA with 44. And eighth place we got Anaheim. So top three teams that have already clinched a playoff spot. We got Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota. Now, really, again, it's just it's a dogfight for that fourth seed. I do think it'll go to St. Louis, but Abe, what do you think? Yeah, um, I still think Arizona has a pretty good shot here. Like, yes, St. Louis is on a very high hot streak, but then again, so is Arizona. Um, but the thing is, St. Louis needs to lose a bit of crucial games if they want to pull this off for me, but I doubt that they will. But I like, I'm hoping for Arizona, but St. Louis probably has a higher hand, but I think I'm still going to pick Arizona for this one. Like, they're three points behind, also three games ahead. That's a large gap, but playoff hockey's coming. Anything can happen. That's true. Actually, yesterday when they played Vegas, they were down 2-0, about 10 minutes left in the third period. They come all the way back. They tie it 2-2, but then lose in overtime. I just, I just think that's the dagger. If they were able to come back against Vegas and win – that would be great for them, you know, get the mojo going, get the two points. But uh, obviously they were unable to get that second point. I didn't, I just think, again, the mountain is too tall to climb. St. Louis has three games in hand and has three more points than them. I don't think it's possible for – I do think it's possible. But I don't think it's very likely for Arizona to surpass St. Louis, especially with St. Louis, you know, kind of getting their groove a little bit recently. Yeah. And I, I also just took a little bit of a peek at the upcoming schedules for like until the playoff ends. St. Louis is a very hard schedule. I think that they play Vegas and Wild each twice. That's four. And then like Arizona's out here. They only got four more games and they play like the Sharks twice and a few other teams twice. And I th- oh yeah, Sharks and the Kings each twice. So Arizona definitely has an easier schedule to fit out than St. Louis, but playoff hockey anything okay so l- l- let's say arizona goes three one and zero in those games right i, I think it's fair three one and zero is a very good estimate for that that's probably the most likely okay so that means they would have 56 points so in seven games i think st louis can get at least three points and just keep that position even if it's against difficult teams they have seven or i guess really i guess like three ish points and yeah like, like like you were saying arizona does have the easier schedule so I don't know. We'll say they go three, three, one, and zero. Oh. And St. Louis, I mean, they're playing. They play Anaheim, which I think they can win. That's two points. Vegas twice, which let's say they get one out of four. Let's say they lose one in overtime. Maybe not. Let's say they go zero oh and two. Then they got L.A. and then Minnesota a couple of times. I definitely think the games against Anaheim and L.A. are definitely winnable. And um, yeah, Vegas and Minnesota. I definitely think they can scrap a point or two out of one of those four games. And also, they're about to win um, against Anaheim. Well, actually, uh, they're up by one with two minutes left. So, we'll, 
Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Those St. Louis Blues do have a lot of games in hand. Yeah, well, playoff hockey is playoff hockey. We'll see what happens. The only thing for sure there is that three teams are in and Anaheim is out. But let's move on to the Scotia North Division. This has a much wider range for the playoffs. The only team that's clinched so far here is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They got 71 points. Then behind them is the Edmonton Oilers with 62. Then the Winnipeg Jets with 57. Montreal Canadiens with 55 points. Then the Calgary Flames with 47. Ottawa Senators with 45. And then Vancouver is in seventh with 41. But they only have 45 games played, so they actually have 11 games to go. I would not consider them out of the playoffs. The only team that's mathematically eliminated here is the Ottawa Senators. Edmonton is extremely close to clinching because uh, if you count Vancouver's the bottom team here, they if they had twenty, they could somehow win out eleven games, which I doubt they win all of them. Then that will put them to twenty-two more points added to their forty-one, would give them sixty-three points, which is one more point than what Edmonton has now. So Edmonton just needs two more points to clinch a playoff spot over or to eliminate Vancouver, and then. Calgary has 47 points. They got six games left. That is 47 and six. That's also 63, the same number that Vancouver needs. And Edmonton's the closest. So they're very close to clinching. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it'll be the top four in order. I think it's going to be Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Montreal. Um, those are my playoff predictions. Montreal's really going to have to mess this one up to not be in the playoffs so by eight points. And there is six games left. They just gotta not screw up. Like, like it'd be it'd be really funny. But like, I I think they'll make the playoffs. I do think Calgary, Ottawa, and Vancouver will all be eliminated. I don't know if Vancouver's gonna finish all their games. I mean, if they're mathematically eliminated, and the top four teams are already there, honestly, they might just not finish out the games and then just go by point percentage in this division. We'll see. Um, that's gonna be like a whole other story. It's going to be difficult to cram 11 games in for Vancouver, which means a ton of other games for a bunch of the other teams too. But yeah, I feel like this division is definitely the most clear cut in who is in the playoffs. Well, actually not, I guess technically the East division because we know who's in the playoffs, but what really the seedings are in the standings. But it's pretty much locks for all four. Yeah, I would say of the four teams that make it, it's pretty much a lock. We said this last episode, we had the, we were saying the same thing. One thing here, the gap between three and four of Winnipeg and Montreal has actually gone significantly shorter. There's a two-point difference there, and Winnipeg has played one more game. So technically, if you go by that metric, Montreal's like basically there. So they could have a chance of taking third place because I think both of those teams would much rather play Edmonton than Toronto in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, Edmonton... Okay, I'm sorry, but Edmonton, it's, I don't, they're not playoff built. You cannot, like, McDavid and Dreisaitl are so, so good, but you cannot rely on them going against the other team's 110% effort every single night, I guess every other night for two months. It's going to be so difficult, and that's why I don't think Edmonton's playoff built. I think they're definitely more of a regular season team. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. I see Winnipeg as a much more playoff built team. They're a lot rougher. They're a lot tougher. And when everything's out of the line, I think we've seen in history that like this with the Winnipeg Jets, a lot of their core players are able to stick it out for a bit longer than Edmonton. So I would agree with you there, or at least on Winnipeg's side of the puck. And same with Montreal. Yeah, also Winnipeg has the best trophy winner from last year. So that doesn't hurt. 
Um, <laughs> maybe it was two years ago. I don't. I think it was last year. Anyways, we move on to the East Division. In first place, we got Pittsburgh with seventy-one points. Second place, we got Washington with sixty-nine points. Third place, we got Boston with sixty-eight. Fourth place, we got Islanders with sixty-seven. And they have all officially mathematically clinched the playoffs. So I guess the other four doesn't matter, but we'll go over them. Rangers in fifth with 58, Philly in sixth with 51, Devils in seventh with 41, and Buffalo in eighth with 35. Abe, what are your thoughts? At this point, like I said this last episode too, I know I sound like a broken record here, but with these four teams, their skill level, how close every game has been, seeding don't matter. I really think the seeding here only matters for like home ice advantage in game seven. Other than that, I don't see it having a large effect. Like Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston, and Islanders. I think if you asked a, a million, like if you asked a hundred different hockey fans, they would eat almost every single one of most of them would have different combinations of who they think is going to end up where. Um, but I obviously as a Boston fan, I want them to get first place. But to be honest, I think the team that would beat Boston the best in in the playoffs would be the Islanders. So I'd rather them start out playing Washington or Pittsburgh who, to be honest, Washington specifically has not been playing great against these playoff teams, but they've been playing phenomenally against these bottom four teams in Buffalo, New Jersey, Philly, and, and the Rangers. Yeah, I think for me, the only time I don't really want Boston to play is Pittsburgh, just because they're they're hot, they're rolling. Malkin's coming back soon. He's been out for a long time. And, yeah, I mean, not only are they playing really hot, they're also getting one back one of their best centers. And Washington, like, they're good against non-playoff teams. But also, especially if Tom Wilson's out for a while, like, that, it's a huge blow to Washington. Like, I, I don't think he'll be out for that long, but just in case. Then the Islanders, they have not been playing well since the trade deadline. They gave up so much for one goal and three points combined in return. But we will get into that one right after this. Um, yeah, I mean, we were also last episode, we were talking about the absolute battle for seventh place. Uh, looks like New Jersey's going to run away with this one. Buffalo caught up for a bit, but New Jersey went on a hot streak and Buffalo buffaloed. So, yeah, I mean, actually, I don't think but this game – okay, so it says they're six points down, but that hasn't been updated for the past, like, ten minutes. So they're, like, four points down, but they have one less – or they have one more game played. Actually, maybe not. Maybe they, Yeah, actually, oh, for those two specific them. teams, they are both right – uh, New okay. Jersey is 52 games. Buffalo is 53 games. New Jersey is 41 points. Buffalo has 35 points. All right, yeah, but Buffalo's getting eighth place, but uh, that's better for their future, so it's fine. Yeah, like, every team that's out, go for, like, the higher draft pick. Like, it sounds really stupid, but what what else can you do? But, yeah. Yeah, well, I think the – I think basically the bottom four is set in stone. Not that it even really matters that much because the Rangers – have one game on Philly and they're also seven points ahead. And then Philly has 10 points on New Jersey. New Jersey has six points on Buffalo. The only really thing I see being super fluid is the top four. Cause like there's a four point difference in the four point standings. So. Yeah. I mean, this division, the top four is going to be a gr- like a great race for the end, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it shapes up. Yeah, um, Leo, um, I want to ask you our question of the week. So let's revisit back to the trade deadline when we saw a lot of moves, a lot of players moving around. But which team do you think 
did the most of the train line, but received like the worst outcome. Like which team did not get what they bought? I'm going for sure the Islanders. They gave up so much. Uh, a couple firsts, or actually at least one first. So uh, some picks, like seconds, there's some early, early round picks, some prospects. Um, actually, I forget exactly, but I know it's at least a first and prospect for Zajac and Paul Mary. And everyone's like, oh, the Islanders fleece them. No. Um, and what, a total of probably like 10 games, they have a combined, not individual, a combined one goal and three assist total. Uh, this is horrible, especially for the price that they gave up. Uh, the Islanders have really just been falling in the standings, having losing so many games. They just lost to Buffalo. Yeah, that, I mean, that pretty much says that they just lost to Buffalo. They are not playing well at all, and Paul Marion and Zajac are not helping. Yeah, and also with this, like, team, like, they already clinched the playoffs. I think they're trying to rest some of the players now. But, like, I guess Paul Marion and Zajac, they were big fish in a little pond, but once they went into the ocean of a good team like New York – like the they don't look as big because like they are these great players on this dumpster fire of new jersey but when they go to an actual team they're like huh these guys are not actually all-stars the trade was so hyped because it was made so early in the trade deadline season but it wasn't really too much yeah um i i agree with you pretty much to all of that i mean i don't think the rest of players right now but yeah besides that i think yeah, also, uh, Anders Lee, or not, yeah, he's out the season, so they kind of went a little downhill after their captain went down. That's but true. On the contrary to the question you just asked me, <laughs> what is the team that you think exceeded the, the trade deadline the most? And, yes, we have asked these questions before, but now it's three weeks down the line, so we're really getting a better judgment besides, like, oh, one great game. I think this better judgment actually reaffirms our opinions here. I'm going to go Boston, especially I'm going to look at the first D line and the second forwards line, second forwards line. you got a guy like David Craig, who has been amazing his whole career, but he was having a bit of a low point. Then you add this guy, Taylor Hall, this all-star coming from Buffalo. He was a big fish, a really big fish in a really little pond. And then, he goes out with Craig she, and then the, with Craig Smith moving up to line, they play phenomenally. And then with that, and then also Mike Riley from Ottawa, another great player from a bad team, go, comes over here. And then he and McAvoy are like locked down on defense. He's not afraid to move the puck. I've said this over and over again. He's great both sides of the puck and locked down defensemen. And that's and Bruins are 8-2-0 eight, eight, and oh in the last 10. And I'd say the second line is the booster why. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's another reason why the Bruins are playing just outstanding. Pretty sure, right, when Hall's not scoring, he's getting assists. And when Craig's not scoring, he's getting assists. And going in, chasing after pucks, and Smith's not scoring, he's getting after pucks, getting assists. This line, honestly, the chemistry is top-notch. Kind of rivals the top line's chemistry, but, like, not really. No, 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 no one's getting in the way of the perfection line. But, like, still. Such a like a great, great line. I mean, they've only lost two games since they've been here. Also, Riley and Lazar playing really well in their roles. So, yeah, I got to give this one to Boston, too. Yeah, and also, like, uh, talking about that second line, Craig Smith had a hat trick on Saturday against Buffalo. 
and like just like tells you about these guys chemistry and if you look at the, the plays themselves david krejci's jukes out he dekes probably three defenders and then wraps around the goal and hits craig smith for the one-timer it's perfect moves like it's not just like these one guy like tater hall yes he's had a few goals where he just gets a steal shoots scores which is amazing but there's just so much chemistry between them even though they're a new line this season yeah, I agree. Some great points. Yeah. Well, speaking of great points, you know what's also a great point? How great this episode has been. So I think we're going to cap it off here. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Abe Lovich. This is Leo Blonner. We are Twitch on the right, on the rocks, and have a great night.